0: Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. This program is about helping you thrive in some of the most challenging coaching situations. Our aim is to support you in bringing your coaching to the next level, whether you're new to coaching or you're already an expert professional. If you're a coach, leader, entrepreneur, leadership development professional, or a human resource manager, this show is for you.
1: Welcome to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Katrina Berus, and today I have the pleasure and the honor to be interviewing Pamela Jett. Pamela is an internationally recognized communication skill expert, a professional speaker and author. Pamela Jett works with professionals to teach them to better understand that words matter. When we are looking to achieve results, they matter. When you want to make an impact, they matter, and when you want to improve effectiveness, they matter. Pamela is a true innovator who takes people beyond the theory or the strategy to an unparalleled level of application. Pamela, welcome.
2: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: So tell us a little bit why words matter so much.
2: Well, I believe that words have tremendous power. Words can build people up. They can excite people. They can make people feel energized and engaged. And words can also tear people down. They can make people feel small or disengaged or unempowered. So the words that we choose to use when we communicate with others really do have an impact on not only the relationship we have with them, but how they feel as individuals. And of course, we know that how people feel is the number one driver of engagement and commitment and all of those positive traits that in a leadership role, we're often looking to foster. So words do have a true impact and a true power on individuals as well as on organizational performance when we look at the words that are used in an organizational culture or in a group as a whole.
1: So why ought leaders in particular be intentional with the words they choose? Can you give us a good example and a bad example?
2: Well... Leaders are the key to success in any organization in terms of driving results and achieving goals and objectives. So how a leader chooses to lead his or her team is a very important part of success overall. And communication, the words that leaders use is a tool. In fact, it's one of the most important tools or skill sets that leaders ought to be polishing. So when leaders become really intentional, when they become consciously competent about the words that they choose to use, they can have a huge impact on employee engagement and all those other positive things we just talked about. For example, one of the words that can Trigger in other people, a lot of defensiveness, a lot of hostility, a lot of animosity, a lot of pushback is the word should, S-H-O-U-L-D. And yet leaders tend to use the word should a lot. You should do this and you should do it this way. And often we're not even realizing that we're using what is known as command and control language. So the word should implies that I'm the boss of you and I have the right to tell you what to do and do it because I said so. And it's no wonder sometimes that employees feel disrespected, they feel belittled, they feel demeaned because their leader is using a lot of that command and control language, should being an example. A leader would be well served if he or she became more conscious of the impact a word like should has on relationships and If the leader makes a more powerful choice and a word should can be replaced with something like, it would be better if you did it this way, or I highly recommend you do it this way, because if I say to someone that I lead, know I highly recommend you do it this way. They're very clear as to what my stance is as a leader. However, I've also respected them. I've freed them up to choose. It has become their choice whether they do it that way or not. It's not me trying to tell them what to do. And sometimes people think, oh Pamela, you're being so persnickety and you're being so picky about these words. And my answer is absolutely if we want to take our skills as leaders to the next level We want to use every tool at our disposal, and paying conscious attention to the words we choose is part of our success as a leader. So yes, I'm very particular, and I believe it does indeed matter. Getting rid of should is a small change that can make a big difference in relationships, in success, and in a leader's ability to move a team forward in a collaborative fashion.
1: So can leaders change this vocabulary easily because should is almost a mindset, a way of thinking.
2: Oh, yes, it is. And that's why it becomes very important for leaders to check themselves internally, to check what kind of a leader they are. I have a leadership model that I call the high caliber leader. And it is a model that has two key variables. And the first variable is the variable of concerning and caring. And that concerning caring variable is the variable that says, you know, you people matter and uh, that the employees that I have matter and people need to feel respected and valued. So when you're high on that variable as a leader, that is a good thing. If you're low, that becomes problematic. So leaders have to check themselves and see where do I fall on that variable and how can I shift into more of a high concern and caring mode. And it's not just that variable. This is a two by two matrix. And so the second variable, what would go on the second axis is what I call the discipline variable. And discipline doesn't simply mean discipline as in you did that that wrong now, shame on you. It's holding people accountable, setting expectations, being clear with the guidelines and the consequences of either fulfilling or failing to fulfill. So it's all of those directions and guidance and instructions and expectations. And if a leader is high in discipline and high in concern and caring, they become a high caliber leader because people will always know where they stand and they will feel respected and valued in the process. But often leaders will struggle with one or both of those variables, and they can slide down into the less desirable quadrants of this particular model, which are the quadrants that will trigger things like employee uh, engagement challenges, turnover, resentment. So yes, it is a mindset. Leaders need to check their mindset and to make sure they're functioning at that high caliber level so that they will choose the words that build people up and not tear people down while still being good at giving the directions and driving results forward.
1: Can you give us more examples of somebody, for example, that is in low concern but high discipline and how you help them in their language, in the words that they choose to be more concerned?
2: Oh, excellent. The low concern and caring leader who is high discipline is what I call the dictatorial leader. The dictatorial leader is the my way or the highway. I'm the boss applesauce, do it because I said so kind of a leader. And so they may be very good at giving directions and guidance and information and very good at clarifying the rules and enforcing the rules and so forth. But they do it in a way that triggers resentment and hostility in people because flat out they are Mean about it. They don't use respectful language. So, one of the keys is to teach these leaders that, first of all, feelings, the way people feel, is the key driver of engagement. A lot of leaders think it's the money or it's some other outside variable that will drive engagement. And the research says that when people leave organizations, they leave for emotional reasons, but they will then justify their emotions with an external thing like pay or, well, there were problems on my team. So they'll come up with all these external reasons to justify how they feel internally. Once a leader understands that how people feel is vitally important. It helps them to realize that they play a crucial role because the relationship that a team member has with their leader is the pivotal relationship. So how a leader makes their employee feel is a real key component. And so giving leaders the awareness of that is the first step. And then of course, giving them the tools to use because some of us we're trying to be high concern and caring. We don't even realize we're coming across as dictatorial. We are unconsciously sabotaging our success because we're using you have to, and I want you to, and you must. And that's, one example of command and control language that we can get rid of, in addition, of course, to should. So the first key is, of course, driving the awareness. And then the next is to give people the tools so that they can make a positive change. And the good news is it's really not that hard. These are small changes. They simply require the decision to change.
1: And so give us a concrete example of how you help a leader change his vocabulary.
2: Well, the biggest key is giving people new words. I think that when we raise our level of awareness, we are then able to make better choices. So when I run live workshops, obviously one of the things that we do is we will work through scenarios, we will work through conversations, and people will see, oh, this is the way a dictatorial leader might have this conversation, and here's how a high-caliber leader would have the conversation. And when people can see the difference, and then they have a chance, of course, in a live setting to skill practice, to actually use these new words, there really is no substitute for the practice. It's like, Trying to learn anything. You know, if you watch a video about playing golf or tennis, you can maybe learn about golf or tennis or any other sport. But the only way to get better is to actually get out your golf clubs, pick up the racket, put on your skis, whatever it is, and go out and do. So the key becomes. Go practice, go have these conversations, and then after, say, you have a difficult conversation with an employee, do some self-analysis. Ask yourself, what did I like best about how I handled this conversation? What would I do differently next time? Review some of the word choices that they've made and then decide, how can I do better in the future? So really, it's a lot of heightened awareness and then giving people the opportunity to practice and hopefully they will have the desire to put that into practice in their day-to-day conversations, whether they're coaching their team members or whether they are simply having casual conversations with their team members or giving directions and guidance. So it becomes the responsibility of each individual leader to say, I want to do better. And I've now have the awareness. Now I need to apply it.
1: So give us some powerful words to choose and to lose.
2: Well, I think one of the most powerful words we can choose to lose as a leader is the word sorry, S-O-R-R-Y. I think a lot of us have it in our mindset that, oh, a good leader will know that they ought to say they're sorry. Well, the word sorry is a really weak word. It is a word that can... Make you as a leader seem less powerful. So, one of the recommendations that I make is I recommend replacing sorry with I apologize because you will be taken more seriously. You will be given more credence when you offer an apology if you simply replace sorry with I apologize. It will also keep us from apologizing for things that we really have no need to apologize for because. We've been focusing a bit on the dictatorial leader and how the dictatorial leader can be my way or the highway. There's also the leader who is so high concern and so high caring, but so low discipline. And they're what we call the indulgent leader. And what drives them is the desire for everybody to like them and they want everybody to get along. So they might often over-apologize or say they're sorry too often and they actually need to pump up their language impact as opposed to tone it down. So getting rid of sorry and replacing with with I apologize is a powerful leadership stance because you're still being clear and people know that you are offering an apology but you don't come across as weak.
1: Very interesting. Any other examples?
2: There's so many of them. One of my very favorites is to get rid of, and this is really great when you're having conversations with people, whether it's in a group setting or a one-on-one setting, but primarily in a group setting. One of my favorite things to encourage leaders to stop saying is, does anyone have any questions?
1: Yeah, That's very usually, that's done very frequently.
2: It's probably one of the most common habits that leaders have. And here's the problem. If I'm in a conversation, and it doesn't have to be a formal meeting, it could simply be a group of three or four people, and I may be explaining something. And by the way, this goes whether I'm the leader or a team member. If I'm explaining something, and then I end my explanation of, hey, does anybody have any questions? What I've done is I've put people on the spot. Nobody wants to be the person who says, I didn't get it, or I wasn't listening, or I wasn't paying any attention. And so what happens is, is everybody looks around and smiles. It's kind of like, oh, I got it. I got it. And no one is willing to say they didn't get it. So a savvy leader would say, what may I clarify? So replace, does anyone have any questions with what may I clarify? This has two big payoffs. The first is that when you say, what may I clarify, it can help keep any questions or comments within the scope of the topic at hand. Because anybody who's ever conducted a meeting knows that if you say, does anyone have any questions? Every once in a while, somebody will come up with a question that is so outside of the scope of the subject matter or so off topic that it's ridiculous. So it kind of contains the types of questions that are asked, but it also puts the responsibility, the onus on the leader or the speaker at that moment. So if I say, is there anything I can clarify, it's not because the people weren't listening. It's because perhaps I wasn't clear. And it frees people up to say, well, I didn't get this part or could you tell me more about this or help me to understand that. And it's a small change, but it can make a huge difference in the type of interaction you get and also in creating what is the ultimate goal of communication, which is shared meaning, meaning they get it. You have communicated it and they understand what you're communicating. So that's that shared meaning. And when I say, is there anything I can clarify, I increase my likelihood of reaching that shared meaning.
1: And what can make it difficult to communicate effectively as a leader? So you you mentioned that if the person has high discipline, but low concern, you also mentioned that the person has high concern but low discipline, is there any type of other leader that has difficulty communicating effectively?
2: Yes, and it's what I call the negligent leader. The negligent leader is the leader who is low discipline. So they aren't good at giving directions or expectations or guidance or information or feedback or any of that. They're not good at that. And they also are low concern and low caring. And when they do communicate, they don't do it in a way that is respectful and appropriate. They don't do it in a way that builds people up. This is what I call the negligent leader. And negligent is code for they're checked out. They don't care anymore. They are disengaged. And so, of course, they're going to struggle communicating because they don't care. They don't care about moving the results forward, and they don't care about how people feel. And they have become completely checked out. What's interesting about this leadership model, from my perspective, is that we all have moments where we are kind of high high caliber, where we are high concern and high caring and high discipline, and we've got that perfect mix going on. But then the real world steps in. So when we get under pressure, when we get under stress, I know my tendency. When I get under pressure and I get under stress, I start to slide lower on the concern and caring scale, and I can easily go into dictatorial. I can become pretty direct and maybe even aggressive or inappropriate. I'm not proud of that, but when things get really stressful or when the heat is on, that's where I can slide. I was doing a workshop the other day for a group of individuals, and one of the senior level leaders, he said that when he's glaringly honest with himself, when the pressure is on for him, when there's a lot going on and things are difficult. He actually slides into negligent. He said, it's just easier sometimes for me to check out, to not care, because that just becomes easier. He said, I'm not proud of that, and it's something I need to work on. So we all have our own pitfalls, so to speak, our own challenges, and some of it has to do simply with our own experiences, our own natural communication style. Those are some of the things that can make it hard for people to stay consistently at that high-caliber communication level.
1: Yes, and I work with um, very uh, bright men and women, but abrasive. So they have high discipline but low concern, and they they have uh, very big difficulties. Negligence, not so much.
2: And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because if they're passionate about the work, they're not going to be negligent. If they really care about the work, they can slide into dictatorial. And that's not at all unusual to have a lot of dictatorial leaders.
1: And the difference for them is that, like you say, at uh, times I can be stressed and I'll go into uh, you know high discipline, less concern. But these really have it, when they're not stressed, they're High disciplines and low concerns. So it's over time, it's very, very belligerent, can become belligerent and also tax the people, very abrasive to the people.
2: And what's challenging is that there are some people who think that that's just the way a leader ought to behave. I was doing a workshop many years ago, and we were talking about some of the simple things leaders can do to improve the relationships they have with their team members. And we were talking about something that I thought would be one of those glaringly obvious things we're talking about the power of please and thank you you know a small thing but people notice when you don't use those so it's it's in our best interest as leaders to remember to say please and thank you and I had a gentleman who made a comment and he made it in front of everybody and he was serious he said I don't need to tell the people who work for me thank you that's what they get a paycheck
1: for Yep, that sounds familiar.
2: He believed it. And what was fascinating is because I've been doing a lot of presentations and working with successful people for a long time, I know better than to, to say anything myself to him. I just turned it over to everybody else in the audience and I asked them, well, what do you think about that? And, of course, they gave him their thoughts. But what's interesting is when we have that high-discipline, low-concern-caring mode going, that dictatorial mode, there's going to be a lot of turnover on our team. There'll be a lot of siloing. People will be resentful. There'll be a lot of conflict, a lot of confrontation. And the dictatorial leader often thinks, you know, good help is hard to find. Why do I have all these awful people on my team instead of looking at how they're treating others and looking at themselves first? And sometimes it's one of those challenges where They must have that moment of, oh, I'm the common denominator in this problem and I need to change. And it's hard for a lot of people.
1: Yes, it is. Because what made them successful for maybe over the years, now all of a sudden it's a liability.
2: Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite books is uh, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Marshall Goldsmith, if, uh, if your listeners haven't taken the opportunity to read Marshall's book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. It's really powerful because it addresses that exact problem. The skills that got you to your level of success aren't always the skills that you need to polish in order to stay successful or to take the next step or to be a superstar in your current role. And it is a hard thing once you're at a certain level of achievement. You think, well, you know, this works. This is how you get ahead, so to speak. And it's hard to break those habits.
1: So most of our listeners are coaches huh? or managers that want to improve their coaching skills. Tell us what's the importance of words for coaches. And is, is there any difference between words for coaches as there is words for a leader?
2: From my perspective, if you are in a coaching or a mentoring role in your organization, the words that you choose to use are incredibly important because the goal is to help people feel empowered, to help people feel like they matter, to help people feel respected and valued and all of those things. And when we are coaching people, we know that people like their own ideas the most. So, The goal, of course, of a high-caliber coach is to help people achieve their own best self, their own best results, not to dictate or try to tell them what they should and should not do. So coaches in particular are well served to watch out for command and control language, language that essentially says, this is how you do it. And instead being more, how would you do this? Or how can you believe this will work for you? The word "how." is such a powerful question for a word for coaches to use. How do you see this working? How could you use this? And let people come up with their own application and their own ideas, because then they're far more likely to actually make those changes or do what it is that they're talking about doing during a coaching session.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a coach usually is enticed to use the open-ended questions which starts with what where how how much when why and uh, so those are the open-ended questions that really encourage people to think instead of uh, having a yes or no question so absolutely I think uh, any other comments you want to say
2: well, I am thrilled to have had the opportunity to talk about this today because I do believe that there are so many leaders who want to take the next step whether they are looking to be superstars in their current leadership role, whether they want to help their team because they are coaching them forward. So many people think about the hard skills, so to speak, you know, their technical skills, their abilities to do the work. And one of the things that a great leader does is a great leader is all about leading people. There's that old adage that a a manager manages things and a leader leads people. And so we lead people and we manage things. And our leadership role is all about our people skills. And at the core of people skills are our communication skills. And I firmly believe that if we choose the words that can build people up as opposed to tear people down, if we can choose words that will excite them and ignite them and not defeat and deflate them, we can do a huge part in helping our organizations have teams that are full of collaboration, cooperation, innovation, great problem solving, Then it all stems from how we choose to
1: communicate. Thank you very much, Pamela. We're coming to the end of the podcast. Where can people get a hold of you?
2: Well, I can be found all over social media, of course. And my website is my name, PamelaJet.com, P-A-M-E-L-A-J-E-T-T.com, PamelaJet.com, and of course, all over social media as well.
1: Yes, and of course, all these information, your website, your Twitter handle, and where people can get a hold of you will be on my show notes as well. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Pamela. Any last tip did you want to give to the, the listeners?
2: Well, I would encourage uh, those of you who have been fascinated by uh, the notion of the high-caliber leadership and the model to go ahead and visit my website. And if you go to uh, – uh, this is a very specific address, Jet C-T-J-E-T-T, C as in Cat, T as in com forward slash H-C-L, forward slash. So, jetctcom C-T-Dot-Com, forward slash H-C-L forward slash, you can access a high-caliber leadership assessment with my compliments.
1: Okay. Thank you so very much, Pamela.
2: My pleasure.
0: Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Excellent Executive Coaching Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to all future podcasts at excellentexecutivecoaching.com. And sign up for monthly newsletters featuring all the latest tips and techniques to bring your coaching to the next level. Join us again soon. And until then, bye for now.